0: to the screen test of time. I am one of your hosts, Susan Raslin.
1: I'm your other host, I'm David Dahl.
0: Oh, can you do that without typing?
1: <laughs> Sorry, I was looking up pictures of the ridiculous interiors from Aerosmith. I'm your other host, I'm David Dahl.
0: Great, and this week, and every week, we watch a different movie that was nominated for Best Picture, and review it for you. And once we have watched all of... movies in a particular year we will let you know if the academy chose right and if the movie stands the screen test of time this week oh this week we watched aerosmith which was nominated for the 1931 1932 awards and which definitively answers the question can a movie have too much plot
1: Yup. i oh god this movie
0: and the answer is yes (laughs) yes it can
1: i feel like this fucking movie is like it's gotta be based on a novel i have not looked this up but it 100 percent has to be based on a novel because it is one of those movies and like the last one i can think of was the leonardo dicaprio uh biopic about uh what's his name uh the spruce goose guy
0: the aviator About Howard Hughes.
1: Yeah, it is like The Aviator in that it has that weird thing of like, no, 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 we can't cut that, but we don't have any... Well, just make it three minutes long. Just like, just put it in the movie anyway and have it be for three minutes.
0: Yeah, it's based on a Sinclair Lewis novel.
1: And you get every single chapter of that novel, I am sure. Oh,
0: absolutely. In basically flashcard outline form. I was 35 minutes into the movie when I decided that I was going to write down every scene that happened. So just to tell you what happened in the first 35 minutes, Aerosmith's grandmother moves west, his Dickensian waistcoated dad tells his son to be a doctor, and also that there are only three books worth reading, which are Grey's Anatomy, The Bible, and Shakespeare. He goes to college, he becomes a doctor, he goes on what's apparently one date with a nurse whom he reprimands for talking back to him they get married a research doctor asks him to go to new york but instead he moves to south dakota with his wife who apparently had never mentioned that she was from south dakota
1: god there's so much about their like courtship slash relationship slash that five minute segment of the film that is confusing (laughs) to me Because another thing that happens in there is that his explicit reason for not taking this research fellowship is he needs more money. So he's going to become a country doctor in a town of 300 fucking people. You know, the way you make money as a doctor.
0: (laughs) So they go to South Dakota, surprise her family that they're married at all. He opens a practice loses a patient to diphtheria uh, goes to a lecture on epidemiology with the most german dude in existence pulls a kid's tooth runs an experiment on sick cattle his wife gets pregnant he goes to the state and gets the serum approved for distribution to sick cattle the local vet gets in a fist fight with him and his wife has a miscarriage and can never have kids again This happens in the first 35 minutes.
1: I was about to say, now congratulations, you're at act two. Of three. In act two, he almost invents penicillin after getting into a, like, like, complete nervous breakdown about his lack of research breakthroughs in two years. Oh, by the way, he's working in a research lab in the 28th floor of a Manhattan high-rise that looks like no interior in fucking Los Angeles I've ever seen. I just sent Susan a, a picture of the fucking interior. This was the lobby shot I meant the other day, by the way, because it is so ridiculous. There's, like, 18 columns in the shot, Every column is at least like six feet wide. The ceiling is at least like 25 feet up there. There is a gorgeous goddamn chandelier. (laughs) This is the interior of the lobby of a pharmaceutical company. Again, explicitly stated to be on the 28th floor of a building in New York.
0: I don't know if space was at less of a premium in the 1930s. Manhattan hasn't gotten any any smaller but come on
1: (laughs) i mean yes i can buy that but it's like it's one of those things where they show you the exterior of the building and the, he's like it's it's up the up there on the 28th floor and like it's a fucking tesseract apparently because definitely this was <laughs> not the height of the 28th floor when you were looking at that fucking building
0: unless they just knocked out floors 29, 30 and 31.
1: Right, and I feel like we're before the age of like false windows, like that definitely. Like no, anyway, I've going to spend like 30 minutes on interiors when we're talking about this movie because they're absurd. But he goes to work at this research company with his like mentor from college, basically independently invents penicillin. The jerk boss at the penicillin company at the pharmaceutical company is like, hero doctor makes breakthrough and he gets super angry at him about it. And then it turns out that the guy who actually invented penicillin still invented penicillin in this reality. (laughs) He, like, missed it by that much. Um, and then there's an outbreak of the bubonic plague in the West Indies. Oh, my God, this movie. And now we're on to Act 3. Oh, we also missed... He, like, has a nervous breakdown, and he and his wife... His wife comes with him in the dead of winter to the pharmaceutical place, and there's, like, a bunch of goings-on with his co-workers at the pharmaceutical place to fill out how that becomes 10 Minutes. Because we wouldn't want inventing penicillin to take up more than one-tenth of this movie.
0: It doesn't become ten minutes. It becomes, like, five. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and then he goes to the West Indies and proposes this bat shit. like, this is not at all how control groups work when there's a plague, but he basically just announces out loud, I've got a possible cure for the bubonic plague. I'm going to give half the people a serum and then half of you will be a control group. And I'll just see whether or not you just die. Just to make sure you're not all spontaneously curing yourself of the bubonic plague, because that's what control groups do.
0: There's a weirdly specific thing That they say multiple times, and it wasn't his idea. It was Gottlieb and Sondelius and the guy who runs McGurk pharmaceutical, who were like, you can't get you have to give it to only half of the people. If you give it to everybody, then we don't know if it actually works. But they say
1: That's not how that works. That's (laughs) Sorry.
0: Have to get the injection, have to be sternly deprived. And they say this multiple times, and I'm kind of like Why do they have to be sternly deprived? Can't they be sympathetically deprived? Like, I'm really sorry, but we're trying to run this experiment, and we have, like, a really fucked-up idea of how this works. So, I'm sorry you're not going to get the shot. No, they have to be sternly Uh,
1: deprived. That's the other thing, is that makes it even worse science. Because now they don't have the placebo effect. Like, you're supposed to, in the control group, just inject them, make them think they got the vaccine, but not give them the vaccine. But the- (laughs) He does that dutifully until it kills, like, everyone he loves on the island, including his wife and his best friend and his new best friend, who he, like, made new doctor best friend that he made friends with on the island, all just keel over dead. And then he's like, fuck it, gets drunk, and just decides to cure everyone.
0: Right, but only after his wife and the one doctor who was on the island have already died.
1: And then he goes back and... (laughs) apologizes to his mentor for not killing a bunch more people in the West Indies. Um but luckily the the his mentor has a can plot convenient stroke so we never figure out how he actually feels about that. And then I mean not completely out of the blue, but sort of out of the blue, he goes like, Now I'm gonna quit this company where my mentor still works because he's not like dead or anything. He just had a stroke. I'm just going to quit that, just like he always wanted. And then that's the end of the movie.
0: And go start my own lab with Terry, who is his co-worker.
1: You never get any sense that he likes Terry, like, at all.
0: There's no time for there to be any development of relationships with anyone in this movie
1: that's the other bonkers thing though because they do put in character development for exactly one character which is replacement wife they introduce an entire like replacement like second wife woman who's constantly hitting on him looks basically exactly like his wife and is immediately after his wife dies like if you ever need a friend and then he's like no we're not doing this like, we do, we've wasted, like, in a movie where we spent, like, four and a half minutes on the development of penicillin, we've spent, like, seven minutes developing her as the replacement wife, and he just goes, nope, at the end of the movie.
0: I mean, do we spend that time developing her? Because I feel like all that she ever does is appear in the shot smoldering with, like, the most 1920s eye makeup I've ever seen. And, like, at one point, we see a a shot of her in her room, which adjoins his room on the plantation that has been turned into a hospital. And she's, like, in Mm -hmm. a nightgown. And we see, like, her shadow under the door. And it's like, okay, so Lady Smulders, which is what I assume her name is, since I have no idea what it actually is. Lady Smulders, like, totally has a boner for this guy, but why?
1: Well, we establish she, like, has an immediate boner for him when she's in the vaccine line. (laughs) Which, by the way, there's a weird thing where it seems like you can just pick whether you're in the line that gets the vaccine or not. And half the people are like, yeah, fuck it, I guess I'll just die. Because, like, apparently you know which line is which, and they're fine with just, like, letting you stay in whatever line you pick. But she gets the vaccine and they have this banter that she takes to be sexually charged. Though if somebody said to me, if I had a twin sister, I think they'd be a lot like you. I would not take that as a come on. But she has a like long bit of dialogue with him there. She has another long bit of dialogue with him when he's like answering the phone in the, I guess, lobby of the plantation. Mm -hmm. um. And then she has yet more dialogue with him at the lab back in New York, which is, I think, more scenes with dialogue than the wife has in the back half of the movie.
0: Well, in the back half of the movie, the wife is mostly just dying of the plague. Yeah,
1: she insists on going on the trip, says, I guess I'll stay inside, and then dramatically dies of the plague for a minute and a half.
0: Which in this movie is a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of the things that I found really remarkable about this movie actually one of the things I found really ballsy about this movie is that they present us with totally unearned ideas about specifically about Martin we never see him interact with children at all until the one time that the kid comes over and wants his tooth pulled when they're living in South Dakota and it's like okay yeah so (laughs) kids love the guy he's totally all of the kids like him He's, he gets along with everybody. And it's like, but we haven't seen that at all. The only other interaction we've seen of him with a kid is watching a little girl die of diphtheria. Also, we're supposed to take for granted, I guess, that he falls in love and proposes to Leora on their first date, or that it's date number 10?
1: Yeah, that's the thing is, like, because it jumps around so much, it's really hard to get a sense of, like, how long anything has taken unless Um, they
0: say it outright like oh i've been at this place for two years and i've had no breakthroughs which is the scene immediately following him walking in and getting hired
1: yeah (laughs) just because there's a jump cut from him like nagging her at her job to the date doesn't mean that it's the first date. It could very well be that they've been dating for three years when he suddenly announces that they're going to get married. Or it is their first date. There is no way to tell.
0: This movie, though, made me appreciate tremendously the three and a half hour epic film. Because usually I'm like, oh, why do we have to sit through three and a half hours or something? But you know, sometimes if you want to tell this much story, you can't do it... In a hundred and eight minutes,
1: really? I just thought, like this would be a great, like ten episode hBO series, yeah. but like, as a movie, you've got to cut something, my man. Like, you've got to figure out what the through line is because you can't just straight up go like, and then after chapter three, we'll do chapter four. And then after chapter four, we'll do chapter five. There's like 37 chapters. That's fine. We'll just make every chapter two minutes long. That like, you can't do that. This movie just introduces things seemingly for no reason, except they were in the book because they then get discarded just as quickly like why did we even bother introducing her family they never come back oh that's true there's yeah. so much stuff literally the first scene of this movie like susan b- brought it up but i don't think we've sufficiently gotten through how batshit it is the first scene of this movie is like <laughs> pioneers in a wagon train and then like a, a woman gives like an inspirational speech about like making a new life in the west and then that scene takes twenty seconds, and it immediately smash cuts to. And that was your grandmother. And it's why is this? What? What? We're doing the bagats for this fucking character. We're not like. <laughs> and none of that. None of the information until you get to Gottlieb ever comes up or is relevant to his life in any way you barely need to know that like Gottlieb was his mentor from day one of medical school like you could skip to him graduating from medical school as the first scene to this movie with absolutely zero problem but,
0: but you'd also only end up cutting two and a half minutes
1: <laughs> I mean yes that's fair but like I feel like you could also cut pretty much the entirety of him almost but not quite discovering penicillin, you could definitely cut basically the entirety of them going to South Dakota. Like, you just don't need that at all. Yeah. Just have him go straight to work in New York with his new wife, have him go to the, like, epidemiology conference, which also, how did he go to that in South Dakota? What the hell was that?
0: It was in Minneapolis, because I had the same thought while I was watching it of, like, Where in South Dakota, in a city, or not a city, in a town that has 300 people, is there like an epidemiology conference where people are dressed in white tie presenting? And it was actually in Minneapolis.
1: Right. Because there's the great bit where the the guy who is such a German stereotype, it kind of like by comparison makes all the like African Americans who aren't African Americans because they're in the West Indies, like that portrayal look less racist by comparison. Cause it's such a bonkers over-the-top German accent. It's it's like making fun of the Nazis.
0: It's funny because it's a German stereotype that will like not be in film for another 60 or so years after this, because World War II will happen. But he's totally the like rosy cheeked drinks out of a beer stein like Fat and jolly German stereotype,
1: but he doesn't remember what town he's in, so he has to correct him and say that they're in Minneapolis.
0: I mean, his name—his name is Gustav. For crying out loud!
1: Good God, this movie. <laughs> It's not even that it's a terrible movie, it's just there's so much. It's too much. It's just too much on, like, every level. Is it
0: a terrible movie? It's shot well. I'd even go so far as to say it is edited well, considering how much shit there is in it. But was the script this short or did they leave half of it on the cutting room floor because they were like, well, we can't have a three hour movie because if that's the case, then it's really badly edited.
1: (laughs) Well, no, because here's the thing is like the way that this moves this quickly is absolutely the script and not the editing. I don't think that there's a two and a half hour cut of this movie. I think that like the cut of this movie was the cut of this movie. Like there was maybe like 10, 15 minutes But I don't think that they like really like let people have an emotional arc and then cut that stuff out. I think it was just like never filmed because like got to get to the next thing.
0: Right. What's funny, though, is this the guy who wrote the adaptation won the Academy Award for adapting Gone with the Wind, which, again, I haven't seen. But my mom has always said, you know, she loves the movie and she loves the book. And she's always said that the book is better because there's more stuff in it because it's a book. So maybe, like, in 10 years he figures it out? Is it even 10 years?
1: Not quite, but maybe. Gone with the Wind has a similar problem. It just has it less. But I have always thought that Gone with the Wind kind of feels like and then this happens and then this happens a little bit. Mm. Like, especially in Act 2 of Gone with the Wind. Like, I guess we'll get to it. But, like, this definitely... This movie just feels like one damn thing after another. Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel like this movie invented the book was better than the movie.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. In
1: the way that people meant that when we, like, were growing up, where, like, you're never going to be able to adapt the book exactly. So just don't even bother. And when people try, it ends up being like this movie. Where it's just a series of things that happens and not a story.
0: Yeah, Helen Hayes, who plays Leora, she apparently noted that various scenes were dropped from the script without explanation. So maybe that's...
1: Maybe it was a director problem.
0: Apparently Samuel Goldwyn hired John Ford to direct it on the condition that he not drink during production. So he went through filming the movie as quickly as possible. So maybe the director was just like, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. All right, we're done. Give me a martini. (laughs) I mean, it does have kind of that feeling of like one thing after another, which is also just, ah, we don't need this stuff. It doesn't need to be developed. Yeah, Everything is a synecdoche instead of an actual scene, which I have to say, Ronald Coleman, who plays Martin Aerosmith, is super charming But I don't buy any of his overcoming adversity at all because it's kind of like everything just kind of goes his way and he's like, oh yeah, everything is great until his wife dies. But Helen Hayes as Leora, I totally understand why she's egotted because she is the only person in this movie where I'm like, yeah, there's a fully formed character there, and she has half the screen time that he has, but she's a person.
1: Yeah, and she like does so much work developing their relationship because he is just constantly like a stalwart man of principle who wants to do something with his life, and she's the one that's like, well, we've been married for X amount of years, and it's been like Y for the past Z number of them, and like you get a rela- like you get a sense of a lived-in marriage entirely from her half of the relationship, because he's basically the same kind of like manically trying to do science every time they're together. And so you read the changing relationship from her. And
0: the aging, you know, she we see her actually change from this like naive and plucky nurse to being the long-suffering wife of a workaholic. Yeah. Whereas he is essentially a Clark Gable cardboard cutout that we see move from scene to scene.
1: Yup. I feel like I'm running out of things to say about this movie because I have to get into like, we're either here for three hours or we're here for 30 minutes, you know? i could go scene by scene and then it was insane when this happened and then it was insane when this happened and then it was (laughs) nuts when but like i feel like it's just a big bunch of stuff anchored by helen hayes
0: and then she dies so then it's not even anchored by her anymore
1: no and it totally goes off the rails after that like it's just like the movie basically might as well be done And there's still 10 minutes, so that means, of course, there's like 14 complete acts left to go.
0: I mean, you're totally right, because I was thinking, you know, oh, I could read through my scene-by-scene notes. And I was like, well, but that'll take about as long as watching the actual movie, which, by the way, don't do. I haven't read Aerosmith, but I've read It Can't Happen Here, which is also by Sinclair Lewis, and it's totally brilliant. And witty and clever and great. So I imagine the book is probably similar. <laughs> so read the book. Checks out. I might even read the book.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Who knows? <laughs>
1: should we should we rate it as well?
0: This is going to be the shortest episode we ever
1: do. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I should have something else to say. Like, I guess we could go in more depth about the like West Indies stuff. But like, I kind of don't want to. Because like, it's not like the portrayal is like super duper racist or anything, but you do spend the whole time going like, are they going, ooh, what are they, mm, are they giving them a voice? Like, what, what are they doing? It
0: really feels like the one black character in the whole movie who actually has lines. Is the African-American doctor. Yeah. Like the actual American from the United States, educated at Howard University doctor. Yes. Whereas all of the West Indian black people, they don't have any lines. Except for the maid, who says, you know, yes, Missy. And that's like the entirety of her character.
1: Oh, can we talk about the most dick thing Martin Aerosmith does? Which is there's a moment in the West Indies where he gives a woman the serum, and then she, like, uncovers a baby, and he's like, nope, not the baby, it's every other person. And you're like, what? Yeah,
0: that was pretty pretty amazing.
1: <laughs> she gives him this look, like, this motherfucker, and then just walks off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and... Uh, I, I don't know, like, I have so much to say about this movie, and, like, absolutely nothing to say about it, because it's just... It's not even a mess. It's just like a bunch of stuff. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it never coheres into a movie. It's just a bunch of scenes about this guy. In that way, it kind of feels similar to Cimarron, but it is a little less batshit nuts than Cimarron just because Martin Aerosmith is like three degrees less of a douche doesn't literally run off from his wife for ten years at a time. So there's the connective tissue of, like, the lead is at least still here.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I I hate to say, to Cimarron's credit, but to Cimarron's credit, the scenes are longer and there are less things that they're trying to pack into the movie. I mean, this really felt like the film-watching equivalent of someone dealing me cards. Here's a card, here's a card, here's a card, here's a card. Except they went through the entire pack and I'm like, my entire hand is is... Fifty-two cards. What do I have here? There's no, you just like threw the whole pack at me. What is happening?
1: Did you feel also like this would have literally been better if it was like, I don't know how prevalent of a thing this was, but like MST3K used to have the like shorts that were like serial shorts that were like a whole story, like cut up into like five minute chunks that you would watch before the movie that week to keep people coming to the movie theater over and over again. And like this movie weirdly feels like it would work way, way better that way. If you would just like get a chapter or two of his life and then like not have to watch any more of this movie again for like a week.
0: I feel like if you cut this movie up that way though, I would have absolutely no idea what
1: was going on from one week to the next. I guess. But like, I barely, like, I feel like I had to constantly reorient myself in this movie anyway like, there was just so much, like, wait, we're where now? Who's ha- who's talking? What's happening? Is this someone I know? Is this someone who's come back? No, this is just some random-ass person in the hold of a ship telling me that the bubonic plague is broken out. Like, just things just happen out of nowhere so often that I feel like you could do a cut of this movie that's, like, that does it as a serial.
0: Yeah, if you made every scene five minutes longer.
1: No, I, like, that's what I'm saying, is, like, Keep it that short. I feel like in a weird way, it would work better. Here's the thing. You would be confused, but you'd be like, oh, I guess if I watched like all of these, I wouldn't be confused. <laughs> but that's a lie. <laughs> you would still be confused. You would just feel like you just feel like it's your <laughs> fault. And in that way, the movie would be improved.
0: <laughs> be improved because you would feel worse about yourself instead of about the movie
1: yeah you'd be like i guess i guess it's me like i guess if i was coming to the movie theater regularly and seeing all of the chapters of aerosmith i would understand this story and why this guy is suddenly like abandoned his whole life and gone to the west indies but no if you like (laughs) just watching the movie linearly you still have no idea why he does that it's just a it's just a weird thing.
0: That is totally true. Okay, so to rate it, I mean I don't wanna give it a one no. because that is reserved for in old Arizona or worse. <laughs> Which I have to say, I'm pretty proud of an old Arizona for, for holding on to the the worst spot this far into the project. Good job in old Arizona. I'm gonna give it a three. Uh, And here's why. Okay. There are some really good shots in it. There's some audience trust in here that I think is pretty progressive. Like the bit where when they're in the West Indies and he, Aerosmith is leaving and he tells Lee, his wife, to uh, clean up the vials of, basically I guess they have vials of Black Plague just sitting around. And one of them has spilled and dripped on a cigarette and... Later on, she's upset that he's left and he misses her and he's she's freaked out because she keeps seeing these funeral processions. So she finds the cigarette and relights it and that's how we know that she gets the plague.
1: I totally missed that. Completely missed it.
0: Well, that doesn't surprise me because you weren't writing down every single scene. <laughs> I,
1: I I, got the setup to that and I was like, that's weird. I, get, well, I guess that's going to come back later. And then totally missed her relighting the cigarette somehow. Well,
0: she does. I believe you. There are a few artistic and sort of foreshadowing shots in the movie that I think are worth giving a little credit, giving a few uh, decimal places of points. And for Helen Hayes, because she single-handedly creates a character from nothing. Like a character who has a life and a a 10-year, 15-year, who knows, growth throughout this movie, and nobody else really does. But the fact that somebody does... I think deserves a few decimal points too. So I'm going to give it a three. I'm
1: going to, I think I'm just going to give it a three too. I was thinking about giving it a 3.5, but I think I'm just going to give it a three as well for like similar reasons of like Helen Hayes does a good job. It's not like basically incompetent the way that like in old Arizona it was. It doesn't do anything wrong. It just doesn't do anything very well, except for Helen Hayes. But it's not like, it's not like embarrassingly bad. It doesn't do like, it doesn't have like MST3K quality anything the way that, in old Arizona did.
0: In a technical sense, it's competently put together. They know how to use cameras and they know how to make people sound heard. Except for the one scene that happens in the rain where Lady Smolders is like, I have feelings and he's like, I also have feelings and you're like, I'm gonna have to rewind this and turn it all the way up because I can't hear them over the rain. But for the most part, like it's a, they managed to use their equipment well. Yeah. Which is not quite the same as a competently made movie because script-wise it's a fucking disaster so yeah three it is we'll give it a three
1: yeah and then next week we're gonna be watching the the one that actually won are we
0: i thought we were watching shanghai express next
1: week oh we might be february 12th versus april 12th yeah we're totally watching shanghai express I thought I had ordered my tabs to be the correct order for the whole thing. God, Shanghai Express is like straight up last, huh? Or Grand Hotel.
0: Yes, it is. But Shanghai Express is the one that I've been the most excited about. So. So it will probably be terrible.
1: (laughs) I don't know. That's a pretty mediocre poster and Marlena Dietrich is in it. So I think we're going to be okay.
0: Excellent. Well then, until next week, this is us signing off.
1: That was a movie.
0: Sort of. (laughs) It, it was a something.
1: Uh. Bye. Bye.